Okay, so I know some of you, we have some visitors here today, and I'm glad for that. Thank God you're here to join with us on New Year's Day. Happy New Year, everybody. And I know some of you because uh, either you haven't met me yet, or you're just visiting and you're new, so you're probably saying, I wonder who the old dude is up there. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I'm used to it. Well, let me introduce myself. I'm Bruce Howell. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, have been around here now since we retired and came back in 2002. So we've been back in this area all that time, and I've been on staff now for at least 10 years, maybe, maybe a little longer than that. And uh, so happy to be uh, Pastor Doug's assistant. And by the way, if you're new or visiting, let me just mention that uh, our lead pastor is on a mission trip to Egypt with uh, 14 other people that have joined him. So don't judge our church on me. <laughs> Come back and hear the real preacher. <laughs> but I am, I am so excited this morning to be here and to share some thoughts with you from the word of the Lord. Now, I know that you're probably expecting a New Year's mes message. Uh, sorry, it's not going to quite happen. But I'm not devoid of the whole idea. In fact, as I was preparing this message some time back, uh, I've been thinking a lot about my legacy. And maybe you would expect that to be so, because as you age, you do start to think more about what you want to leave behind, right? And um, so this morning, we're going to kind of do a new twist to the idea of a New Year experience. Matter of fact, if you think about it, what better time is there to think about this? What am I going to leave behind? Why should you wait till you're old, until you're older to, to really think about that and see what the Word has to say about it? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when I was young, when I came to know the Lord as a young person, I, that was the furthest thing from my mind. But as the years began to pass, I thought more and more about it. And now I really think a lot about it because I'm, I'm getting close to heaven. And uh, I am concerned about what I will leave behind. So with that, let's get into the message itself. I, I need to ask you a question this morning. Um, are you anything like me? I suspect you are. You have moments when uh, you either hear something or you see something uh, online or on TV or something, and it's, it just blows your mind. You just go, what? I can't believe that. Anybody ever have that experience? Yeah, I'd say many, many hands, sure. And uh, something happened recently that did this to me. I, I thought about John Lennon. John Lennon was a man who uh, was a part of the Beatles, for those of you who are younger, the Beatles, the musical group that changed music culture here in America. And by the way, this has nothing to do with the message, but I think I'll just throw it in. Did you know? that the Beatles could not read or write music. None of them could. Look it up. So anyway, John Lennon was tragically killed 42 years ago in 1980. That's a sad story. But you know what? He, um, he left behind something. He gave a souvenir to his housekeeper. It was a tooth that he had had pulled, a molar, 
a yellow molar. And um, why would he do that? I don't know. But nevertheless, um, that, that was part of his legacy, <laughs> leaving behind uh, it had a cavity in it, actually. And I don't know about you, but as I face a new year and the future and everything, I think the last thing in my mind would be to invest in something like that. Well, the story goes, and, and I guess it's true, that uh, the housekeeper put it up for sale. Originally, that tooth was, sold, was for sale for $16,000. Now, that back 40-some years ago, so... Today's market, maybe it'd be $40,000, I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, it didn't sell right away, but at an auction later on, it sold, you ready for this? For $31,000. $31,000 for a yellow tooth that had a cavity in it. And someone came up with the idea of maybe they could use that, that particular tooth to clone John Lemon. Lennon. Well, who wants another John Lennon? So as I think, I think about all of this, I'm thinking to myself, what do I want to leave behind? I got thinking, well, wait, maybe I could leave. I never thought of this. I should have saved my appendix and my gallbladder and some of my teeth, which is none of your business, how many teeth? But I don't think my kids are interested in that whatsoever. And by the way, did you also know that Elvis Presley, they got a, 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 a bunch of his hair, a lock or something of his hair, and they sold that for $18,000. So people do leave body parts and other things, kind of creepy, I think, but nevertheless, it all has to do with this whole subject of legacy. What is it that I want to leave behind. By the way, I ought to give you a definition of legacy. Here it is. It's the long-lasting impact of particular events and actions that took place in the past as a result of a person's life. That's what we mean by leaving a legacy. I do hope to leave something back to my sons and their children, but it won't be... Uh, a body part. Hopefully, it'll be a legacy of a well life, a, a life well lived. So, what do you plan to leave to your children when you depart this planet? Have you thought much about that? Of course, some of you have wills and trusts and so on, and you have it all spelled out. And usually, that that, that not usually always that involves material possessions silver and gold and cash and whatever. What about a spiritual legacy you're leaving behind? What about what the Lord has done in your life? How he's changed you, he's transformed you. Can you pass that on? Of course you can. I have to tell you about a, an almost inheritance that I had. Uh, quite a few years ago, I got a letter from an attorney in California. And before I opened it, I had an attorney from California. I, have, I haven't been there, I couldn't have done anything wrong. What's going on here? So I opened the letter up, and it, it told me that I uh, was a beneficiary of an estate. And I thought, what? I don't know anybody. I said, wait a minute. I have a younger sister who lives in Berkeley, uh, but she's alive and well. 
And uh, so I was really curious. I read a little, a little bit further on down in the letter and discovered that actually my dad had a first cousin who lived in Northern California, not too far from, uh, up from San Francisco. And I never knew that. So then I proceeded to get really excited. I thought, well, maybe there's something in this for me, you know? Isn't that awful, the, the way we think about things like that? So uh, discovered that she uh, was a widow, and uh, she had just passed away, and she only had one child, a son, and they couldn't find him. They couldn't find the son. And uh, they've been looking for some time, and they're almost giving up because there's a, a certain amount of time, and then after that passes, then the other beneficiaries get what's coming to them. So the attorney said, we'll be in touch with you from time to time as we keep looking for him. And uh, so I thought, okay, great. Then I started getting letters periodically from the attorney saying, well, we haven't found him yet, but, uh, you know, and so I inquired to try to find out how much is this property worth? <laughs> I'm just being honest now. So uh, I discovered it's worth a lot of money because the property in California, ooh, it's really up there several hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then I got excited. And I, I told Janine, I said, we could be in for something really great. So anyway, time went by. And then I think next to the last letter, I said, uh, we'll be making a decision very shortly. And then I, he included who all of the beneficiaries were. I thought it was just me. 72. 72. So being the great mathematician that I am, I knew now the approximate value of the property divided by 72, and it was still $10,000. So I said to Janine, we're going to Hawaii. We've always wanted to go there. This will pay for the whole trip and some left over. So uh, about two weeks later, I got on the final letter. And actually... What the, what the attorney said was, we found him. <laughs> yeah. We found him. He was living in Germany. Somehow they located him. He got it all. We got nothing. Bye, Hawaii. <laughs> Have you ever driven along the highway or in the city street and the car in front of you has got a bumper stick, sticker on it and it says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. Ever, ever seen that one? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes I'm spending my grandchildren's inheritance. And when I saw that, I thought, yeah, well, you're probably spending someone who left you something. Now you want the next generation. Well, anyway, I kind of chuckle about that. But then I thought, okay, so what does the Bible have to say? And I, I discovered over in Proverbs 13, 22, a very interesting scripture. This is what it says. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, when Solomon wrote that, was he referring to riches like money and land and whatever? Could it be that he really had something else in mind? He's talking about a spiritual inheritance? I'm not sure. But I know that Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name or character, that's a better way to translate that, 
A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Hmm. There you go. That kind of backs up my whole thinking about, you know, it's very possible that Solomon here is talking about spiritual riches. And then I love what it says in Ephesians 4.1. The Apostle Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And Philippians 2.15, that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love that passage. So we either build a legacy of self or we build one of service to God and to others. We live our lives between two numbers. The first number is the day we were born. The last number is the day we die. And it's what we do during those two. They're like bookends of our life. And it's what we do between those two dates that really matters. Amen? I mean, that is what really, every day we're either making a deposit into our legacy or we're withdrawing something from our legacy. God help us. So what kind of legacy are you leaving behind? Is it spiritual? I hope so, at least in part. You know what? We made a decision years ago, and I'm not putting this on you, so don't get any guilt trips about this. It's just something that we felt strongly about, that in our will we would leave 10% for whatever church we were members of at that particular time. We felt that God has been so good to us that we ought to honor his name and at least give him a tithe of all that we have. Not a bad idea, because it, it kind of gives a message out as to what is really important to us. So if I was thinking about a passage of Scripture that would really be uh, something that would speak loudly to us and help us to digest a little bit better, it would be Hebrews chapter 12, say like the first three verses. I love this passage because it keeps me focused. Okay, so here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, this next passage, I can hardly read it without weeping. For who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. What a passage. So the Lord Jesus considered it joy to suffer for us because he knew the result would be that many would be ushered into the kingdom of God. Wow. So to get practical, just exactly how do we develop a great spiritual legacy? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Because this comes right out of Hebrews chapter 12, these first three verses. Number one, remember those who have finished the race. Remember them. And if you read that, take time to go home later today 
and read that, you will discover who the writer is talking about. He's talking about these giants of the faith who are listed in the previous chapter, chapter 11. All these men like Moses and Noah and David, these great biblical heroes that we look up to and we emulate, we want to be like them. We want to have that kind of of perseverance and we want to be men and women of faith and we want to pass that on to the next generation praise god what a great opportunity so as you think about 2023 i issue a challenge to you what is that you can do this next year to build that kind of legacy that your children and your children's children will will think about it for, for the rest of their lives think about it this way we're meant to remember those who would inspire us to live more fully for Christ. That's what I believe. So there are these great biblical heroes, and you might say, okay, pastor, but you know these, these people, they, they are giants of the faith. I can never be like them. Well, you might be surprised that if you carefully study their lives, you see that they were just like you and me. They had flaws. They had, they had their failures. But through it all, they hung on to God. And they used the gifts that God had given them to, to bless others. So there's another group I, I want to mention to you, since we're talking about those, to remember those who finished the race. And those are people in our lives who have impacted us so greatly. Can I just tell you, I've got so many people in my life that have impacted my life, that have left a legacy for me. So many. My wife and I, often we talk about the churches that we have served, and, you, and the interesting thing is that the little church where we came to know the Lord and got discipled, that church had people in it to this day that I think about a lot, how they, how they left a legacy to me. They didn't know it, but I know it, and I've known it. Can I just tell you about one? I could, I could stand up this, this morning and tell you about probably, I don't know how many, 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 many. But a man that comes to my mind is Ken Tiffany. Now, Ken Tiffany... He was a giant when it come, came to spiritual things. Ken Tiffany, I first met him when I was probably about 18 years old. He was a part of our church. When he was a young man, a child, actually, uh, someone threw a snowball at him, and it had a, a rock inside of it, and it caused him to become blind. So all the rest of his life now, he had no sight. You know what happened to Ken? He fell in love with Jesus. He gave his heart to him. And what a giant of a man he was. I can remember whenever I would come into church and I would see Ken, he would always be first. I, I'd stick out my hand to shake his hand, and he'd say, good to see you, Bruce. I knew that he actually couldn't see me. But, you know, he was a giant of a man. And uh, the interesting thing is um, that listening to him pray had a great impact on my life. I thought, I want to be able to pray like that some, someday, just talking to the Lord. And um, by the way, how did he support himself? Well, he had a, work, a woodwork shop, and he actually became quite well-known. He would make toys out of wood and ship them all over the world. And I remember one time I went into his, he invited me to come into his, see his workshop. So I went in there, and he had all these power tools. Yeah. And if you look closely at his hands, you could see where he'd, you know, he'd kind of miss something. 
not any fingers or anything, but just, just some scabs on his fingers. But he had guards on all these power tools, and he used them. And, um, but more importantly than that, that, I thought I was astounded by that, was to watch him and listen to him and, and experience the legacy of Ken. And someday when I get to heaven, I get a chance to look Ken up, and we'll talk about it, and I'll be able to say to him, you don't know what you meant to my life. And that's just one individual. Just think of your life and how you can impact others. Just think about that. So we're talking about how do we develop a, a great spiritual legacy. Remember those, remember those who finished the race. Those in the Bible, those in your own life. Secondly, remember to stay in the race. That's why the writer said, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Keep going for God. Don't let the cares of life pull you down. We all have cares of life. You want to finish well, right? Don't let a sin that he mentions entangle you and cause a wall to be built up between you and God. Get rid of that sin. Don't let it weigh you down. Don't be distracted so that you get off course. We don't want to do that, do we? So remember to stay in the race. And the third thing is, remember the example of Jesus. I've already kind of talked about that. You have to keep your focus on him. Not on your problems coming into a new year. Don't focus on your problems or on your possessions or on your opinions or anything else. Keep your focus on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.24 says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So in essence, what I'm trying to say here is that my character and your character and conduct will impact generations to come. Do you believe that? Well, some do. Some of you will recognize this name, Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a uh, businessman who lived in England, and he also had a uh, Sunday school class of boys. And he made it his aim to win every last one of those boys in his class to Christ. And uh, he was pretty successful, so there was one boy that was difficult to get through to him. And so he prayed especially hard for him, he spoke to him often. He uh, spent time with him. And eventually, this little boy opened his heart to Christ. His name was Dwight. You may know this story. He grew to manhood. He received a call from the Lord to become a pastor and then eventually an evangelist. Dwight L. Moody was his name. He traveled to England and, of course, here in America, and had great success winning thousands of people to Christ because Edward Kimball cared about this boy. Think of that. That's not the end of the story, though, because Dwight L. Moody one evening was preaching in a, in a certain place, and there was a man in the congregation called Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman received Christ under his preaching, under Moody's preaching. 
And he became a very renowned evangelist, winning many, many people to the Lord. And Wilbur Chapman was preaching one night. And who was in his audience? But Billy Sunday. Now, you know who Billy Sunday was. Played for the Chicago White Sox. But Billy was in a place in his life where he was looking and searching for something. And that night, he gave his life to Christ. And Billy Sunday became one of the most renowned evangelists of the 20th century. God blessed his ministry. And he won many people to the Lord. And one night, he was preaching. And in the congregation was a man named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham surrendered his life to Christ. And God blessed him and made him a powerful evangelist. And one evening, he was preaching down in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And who was in his audience? A 16-year-old young man who had it in his heart to become a professional baseball player. But God got a hold of his life and redeemed him that very night. What was his name? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Does anybody not know who Billy Graham is? It is estimated that through his preaching, not just where he was in person, but actually through satellite television, that he preached to 2.2 billion people. Just think of that. And all of that was involved with Edward Kimball. That man who had a burden for these boys in his class. Look what happened. Now you might say, well, that's an interesting story, but I, I don't know that I would ever in any way impact anybody. Oh, you'd be surprised. You live your life for Christ. You be consistent. You glorify him. And you'll be surprised what God will do through you. Because most people that come to the Lord do so through a process. Some plant, some water, and some reap the harvest. What do we care? Who gets the credit? I think people are going to be amazed when they get the glory and they find out just exactly who it is that's there because of them. What a great opportunity we have in this new year and years to come to leave a great spiritual spiritual uh, legacy behind. That's what I want to do. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He had a son in the faith called Timothy. And he wrote this. He was writing to Timothy because he knew his life was coming to an end. They were about to uh, execute him, and time was short. And he had some parting things he wanted to say to his son in the faith. So he wrote these, wrote these words. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Man. Just think of the legacy that was left by his grandmother and his mother. God is going to bless us if we will really and truly take time to consider what it is that we can leave behind of a spiritual nature. There was a song that was written back in 1988 by John Moore, and it became really popular in Christian circles. And I think it's even in some hymnals. And Steve Green popularized it and i love this song because it kind of summarizes everything i've been trying to say this morning you'll rec some of you will recognize us some of you won't but that's all right find us faithful and it goes like this we're pilgrims on the journey a 
of the narrow road and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Do you suppose what John Moore wrote this, that he had his Bible open to, to Hebrews 12? I think he did. I think he did. So, here we are. We've just crossed the threshold into a new year. What does 2023 hold for us? Well, we don't know. But why not consider it as glorious opportunities to let our light shine and impact our children, grandchildren, and anyone else who comes within, within the sphere of our influence? It all calls for three things. I'm going to wind it up with this. Three quick things. Do you want to have success when it comes to leaving a godly legacy? Here's what you have to do. Self-examination. You have to look at your life and say, is there some area where I need to make a course change? That's one thing. That's where it begins. Secondly is self-determination. That is to be intentional about it. To say, okay, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really listen to the, what the Lord says to me through his word. I'm going to make it a priority. I will intentionally seek to live a life that will glorify God and help people. And the third thing, lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. I mean, we have to practice what we preach. We've got to be people of prayer. And then to enlist the prayers of other people. To say, will you pray for me that my life will be what God means for it to be. A blessing and hopefully will impact others for generations to come. That's what I believe. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you this morning for your word. For this passage from Hebrews. Lord, you've been teaching us how important it is to live a life that will impact others. Thank you, Lord, for those in our lives that have done this for us. Help us then, Lord, to be sincere and intentional about our determination to leave a spiritual legacy that will glorify God. I pray this, believing that you hear my prayer, in Jesus' name, amen.